0: Hello and welcome to the Mindfield Pod. I'm Alexi, your host and creator of The Conscious Founder. As a mindset coach for founders, I've gained a unique insight into what's really going on in the minds of leaders and how they operate behind closed doors. On this podcast, I aim to humanize founders through authentic and vulnerable conversations and debunk the myth that building a successful company comes at the expense of sacrificing one's mental well-being. The Minefield Pod pushes the boundaries of conversations, celebrating our weird and wonderful minds, not shying away from them. Join me on this journey as I delve into people's unique stories to learn how they have navigated their very own minefields. Today, I sit down with Harry Stebbings. For those who don't know Harry, his podcast, The 20 Minute VC, which he started in 2015, has 120 million downloads to date. Fast forward to 2020, he launched his own venture capital fund called the 20VC, raising a staggering $140 at just 24 years old. On this podcast, we talk about Harry's journey to success and what he's learned along the way. For all the podcasts he's hosted, Harry has been a guest on very few and never one quite like this. He opens up about his struggles with bulimia and all the mental challenges he has faced. I'm in awe of Harry's ability to be himself, get vulnerable and add humour to an often very stiff investment world. Okay, and we are live. We're here with Harry. Welcome, Harry. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you, Alexi. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, uh, It's been, I think three years since i first messaged you to try and get you on the podcast so it's not been not been too bad um i think you are the longest so far but i'm very happy you to know have what? you
1: uh, it's it's a pleasure and uh you know i am sorry for my terrible communications i would love to say it's getting better but uh i'm here and we're gonna have a great discussion
0: yeah, I think you have a a better excuse than most people for for being busy, so I I forgive you in in the sake of, you know, and in the spirit of this podcast. It's all all about forgiveness and things like that. So, um but look, let's break uh let's break the ice before we break the bread together, um as I am trialing out as a, an expression. Um so some would say that you are the Justin Bieber of the investment world, but Would you like to start by telling everyone how the 20VC would not have been possible without me and my
1: pivotal editorial role? <laughs> I, I mean, this is the crucial crucible moment that everyone doesn't know about. Uh, I mean, the, the truth is, as you know, I started the 20 Minute VC because I loved venture capital. Um, I saw Peter Thiel invest in Facebook with Clarium Capital, his hedge fund, in a movie called The Social Network. Amazing film, and it exposed me to venture. Fell in love with venture. And then when I was 18 in my bedroom, uh, I started the podcast, interviewing the world's best VCs. And obviously, you know, I knew you through my brother. And and you go to school with my brother, Charlie, um, the world class editing that you helped me with in the in the first few years um, when the show was, you know, uh, I, I was more like a BBC stilted presenter than quite the smooth dulcet tones that I have now. Um, but uh, that, that's obviously your editing. And now the show is, you know, one of the largest in technology and startups. You know, we get over a million plays a day um, and we had over 100 million so far. And so it's been a it's been a pretty awesome ride
0: yeah it's fair to say you're doing very very well for yourself and um from knowing you from back in the day that um has definitely not you know that's come through a lot of hard work um i i know that you you've clearly made you know quite a lot of uh, i guess maybe the right not the right word is is
1: sacrifices but you know in those i would i would say i would i would say it's the right word every single yeah. fucking weekend for 7 years i'm grinding my ass and bluntly Not many people are willing to do that. Am I Mm -hmm. smarter than everyone else? No, I just work really, really hard, which is why I look more like Benjamin Button than I do a 25 year old, (laughs) but I grind. And you know, I'm going away with my girlfriend this weekend. And what does that take for me to go away for a weekend? It takes last weekend, me working two 18 hour days. Like that's a long, long day. Like Mm -hmm. 18 hour back to back just to cover the next weekend. Like when someone said, says i'm tired i mean i get it but you know yeah i think a lot of people are just actually afraid to do the work um and that's where i've partly done it
0: i think that's that's a you know it's 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 something that's a, a big topic of discussion um by you know all people in business and you know obviously there's a lot more talk about the the welfare and the wellness and and mental health and and mindset of of Business leaders, I think they're starting to be seen a little bit more as high performers because you know you need to be a high performer um, in in this type of you know area in order to uh, in in order to succeed. But what I want to ask you, whilst we're on that, is people throw around this this work life balance um, thing and this phrase. What what does that mean to you? Um, and you know, based on what you've just said, what is it that in in a way what is it that that keeps you going when you are feeling at your lowest so we'll start with the first
1: Yes, I mean so work-life balance to me I don't actually believe in it how about we change it to why don't you bring your whole self to work why don't you bring the fact that every day I struggle with an eating disorder wake up feel fat hate my body look in the mirror side on and feel horrible and disgusted with myself and why don't I bring that to work and when someone says to me in a meeting how am I doing I say actually I'm really not great I don't feel very confident today and I'm really just questioning my own insecurities I just had a fight with my mother or whatever why don't we just remove the friction between work and life and bring them closer together where you can bring your whole self to work and you can bring your work self home I I think that for me is how I view work-life balance which is there, there isn't one or the other. I wish life was that easy to compartmentalize, but it's not how it works. And actually, if you wanna be the best, I'm really sorry, you know, you can't always have a balance. And I think it's about understanding that there's a time in life for balance and there's a time in life not for balance. And you know, that's down to different people in terms of when they wanna optimize for those things and whatever works for you. I think the other thing is I hate people judging you on your choice for that. It's like, listen, if you wanna do that, that's fantastic. I choose differently and I'm able to. So, I think those are my thoughts there on work life balance for sure. But again, if you really, when you're starting something, yeah, there, there's no wildlife balance. One, just be willing to accept it. The other thing I like to see: so many people moan about not achieving or whatever. So few people actually just start. I think the art of the start is missed so often, which is taking the first step is just crucial. And I think the biggest thing to help you take the first step is to put some form of financial commitment down. Buying a microphone for a hundred pounds to start a podcast, buying the domain name for the website. You know, for me, it was buying the microphone. It could be buying that gym membership to get you in the gym. I think the art of the start isn't talked about enough. And then in terms of, you know, what do I do when... Like, what inspires me or keeps me going when you know, um, it's really tough and it's shit, which it sometimes is. Man, I want to build a generational defining financial institution at the intersection of venture capital and media, which I think is the next wave of great investing. Um, And I want to build an institution that my grandchildren, which I obviously don't have yet, um, will be proud of and will look to with pride that they are part of a family that built something of meaning, which probably goes to an insecurity of my own that I'm so legacy driven, but it's important to me and that's what keeps me going I'm doing it for something way more important than money or my own ego but I want to build something really meaningful
0: yeah and and what you've just said there is it is—it—it sounds like you're you're super aware about you know why you're doing what you're doing and therefore actually it's less about sort of the reason um you know and it's more about actually just at least that you know and then you can um you can I guess accept when life is out of balance because you're doing it for a greater reason
1: absolutely yeah i mean you always have to have a greater reason the other thing is i think you know when you're running a company not only do i have to know this and i see i have to tell my team this every week every almost every day if you go into my fund or my media company if you ask what we're doing we are building the next great financial institution at the intersection of venture capital and media everyone will be able to fucking tell you that it is crucial and also the sorry the other thing is like people lower their excitement every time they say it because it gets boring for the person saying it you can never let that happen for someone it's the first time hearing it and so every time you deliver it you have to be more excited than you were the last time and i think not enough founders and business builders really remember just how crucial that is that everyone is as jacked as you are and you deliver it with the same passion every time
0: yeah yeah, and actually, when you did say that for the first time, I thought, "Wow, that's a mouthful." And then you said <laughs> it again, absolutely perfectly. So I, I believe you when you said that you say it every day, and 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 you get your team to say it every day, and and it's having that sort of clear vision um, yep. that is
1: is clearly very important in 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 keeping you motivated but also pump them up you know not enough people really pump their team up which is like Mm. this is the place where you will do the work you tell your grandchildren about you should be proud to be here and i'm proud to work with you and every week i will say the same and again you have to pump them up and Mm. uh, you know that is just crucial for building the great culture i think the hard thing is like you know how do you think about mental health in a work environment and you know one of my very close friends one of the best and best in the world says uh, about the culture he's created it you know his firm we are a team we are not a family where performance is number one and everything else does not matter i love that i love the simplicity of it i love the purity of it and it is the same for us performance is number one but I, and this is what I don't know the answer to. I want to put a spin on it that teammates can still love and care for each other. Teammates mm-hmm. can still bring their whole selves to work. And so that's a that's a tough one. And it's very difficult to find that balance of performance with the softer side.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting because cause my mind, when you said that, said, oh, that sounds a bit sounds a bit ruthless and it sounds a little bit like not as emotional maybe you know bring your emotions to, to work can can be good and you've sort of mentioned before the podcast that that works but it's 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 super interesting to to understand you know and actually realize that you know it's really nice throwing this family word out all over the place right everyone loves saying oh we're a family at work we're a fa-. I'm sorry but the majority of families are not great Right. Like it, it sounds awful, but family is complex. And when you're building something and when you're growing something special and you're trying to just you've got that one particular mission, I do think that's probably what gets people caught up. And like you're saying, there's probably a hybrid of that.
1: Yeah, I I think that absolutely is a hybrid of that. But I I totally agree with you. This idea that we're a family at work. Well, families are always there for you unwaveringly or or, should be in in Mm -hmm. most cases. But you shouldn't be in work. I'm sorry. It it is performance dependent. um, And so I, I do just think it's very different. So I totally agree with you there. But I think it's really important. Like I will talk to my team about... As I said, eating disorders, lack of confidence, worries, fears, and that, and I don't say it in any, oh, I'm I'm timid or, you say it with confidence, but I'm worried about this. We are not hiring Mm. fast enough, and it's not looking great in this way. And actually, when you say it with that gusto and confidence about your insecurity, people are worried that you're gonna, you know, the team's going to lose confidence in you. They don't at all. They just come to action and know way more than others most often do and can really help. I, f- I find that really important, actually, to share with them. And then guess what? They open up, too, because vulnerability engenders vulnerability. And they're like, oh, I can tell you about this that's happening now, too
0: yeah and the problems come to the surface earlier and you can get you know you can solve them quicker and you can see stuff you know way in advance
1: do you know what alexi everyone is just a little bit fucked um everyone's just a little bit broken i remember the first date i had with paul and my girlfriend i said i'm fucked in these three ways you know i'm a former bulimic i'm (laughs) rampantly insecure um i probably drink too much um and i'm a workaholic um how are you fucked up um (laughs) Uh, amazingly, she actually stayed, um, but like <laughs> because she had the same <laughs> the I, same no, traits. Though I think she was just hungry actually, and the food hadn't come. Uh, but uh, but no, like that set the bar for like actually, this is just who I am. And you know, normally we we go into a first date or a business interview uh, and we say, hey, I speak French and Spanish. I'm know, uh, multilingual. I'm very good at Excel. I uh, do this, this, and this. Why don't you come tell me how you fucked up? Because everyone is. Everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And actually, when you rock up to an interview and they ask you a question and they say, hey, talk about a time when you failed, if you actually open up and tell them and you really share that lesson, I promise you they will return that with a very different response than you think. And it builds a relationship that is so much deeper than you think. Um, And I just think it's important to remember that, you know, behind every business leader, newspaper article article uh podcasts that you hear there's still some insecure shell of a person about something people forget it
0: beautifully put and and on that because vulnerability is it's it's one of the things that i you know i believe and i think a lot of people are starting to believe is is such a powerful um you know, thing to have for, for, for many reasons, like you've talked about. But within business, it's still something that I think a lot of people struggle with in terms of like founders or investors and understanding. You know, we've we've talked about it and talked around it. But what really for you is there a is there a line? You know, because you did say, you know, on one hand, it's like, well, we're a team and it's all about performance. But so if you're bringing your emotions to work all the time, when Maybe is there a line for you?
1: yeah, yeah. I, it's a very good question. Yeah, there, there is absolutely a line. Like, you know, I feel for founders in particular, because everyone says, oh, vulnerability, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. If you're going out to fundraise in a couple of months' time, you can't be, that. oh, we lost our head of sales, our Q1 was shit, and our company's really not doing very well. Guess what? Investors talk, and that will damage your company's fundraising chances. So I feel really sorry for founders in that. Like, vulnerability is not helpful in the majority of the kind of company trajectory, if it's not going so well, openness that's tough um i think i think other than that that uh, there's there's very few cases where vulnerability isn't great i think sometimes there's just a time to act and execute we're not fluffy like ping pong cultures let's talk you know i think i hate is like you know one thing with our generation though alexi they think so much And one of my investors once said to me, do you know why I'm invested in you, Harry? You don't think at all. You just do. Like, you just do and you execute fast, fast, fast. And I do. And everyone loves to think and sit around. And I'm all for this. Me and you having a directed conversation about Mm -hmm. mental health. I don't want the fluffiness continuously. So I think it's it's important to just kind of time-bound it a little bit. Because otherwise... It it does become a little bit too all encompassing, um, but other than that, I honestly I just think everyone needs to be a lot more open about how they actually are and recognize that if you do say that, the person on the other side of the table will too.
0: Love it puts, puts so 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 well, uh, and I I totally agree with you, um, and I I I think it's a, a very um, helpful thing that you've just said there. You know about encouraging that vulnerability but when there's a certain time to action things and perform you know you got to put that all aside and actually by being vulnerable a lot of the time that probably allows it so it doesn't come out or need to come out in the moments when you need to hit that target you need to execute
1: At the end of the day, the truth is, um, and this is a horrible analogy, so forgive me for the visuals here, life is trying to throw a ton of shit down your throat, yeah? (laughs) If you do not be vulnerable and open, you will not throw that shit up. Um, <laughs> I- ironic for a billionaire to be talking about throwing shit up, um, but, uh, you will not throw it up, and then it will just fester, and it will be shit, mm-hmm. and it will hurt, and it's not healthy. So, for me, the vulnerability is this kind of purging of what life's shit is trying to throw at you, and then it's like, oh, wonderful. It's also this acceptance that, like, it's okay to not actually be okay sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, isn't that nice? What a weight off your shoulders. Or when you've been through a lot, go, you know what, Alexi? I've been through a lot and I'm really, really stressed. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so nice. Um, I, I, I find I'll often do that where I'm like, Ooh, I am worried. I am worried, worried, worried. i um, yep. kind of just talking to myself in that way. You feel this relaxation um, I think the other thing is that everyone, you know, the worst thing about American like dream mentality is this like hunger for perfection. And I think perfection is one of the most dangerous things. You know, not bad is actually quite good sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. if I asked you, how's your relationship? And you went, hmm. Not bad. Most people would go. Oh, I'm sorry, Alexi. I wonder what, what's going on. No, <laughs> not bad is actually fairly great. It's not we broke up. I don't like her anymore. Uh, mm. It's like actually, it's not bad. We're still together, and I think that as well is this massive unburdening of stress that not yeah. everything has to be perfect, and not no. bad is sometimes good enough.
0: That's it. And 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 I think what you said there about like just putting some attention on things that other people think is bad. And if you, if you leave them and you, you know they're just thoughts in your head, then they go round and round and round and round and round. Whereas if you just say, wow, to yourself, I am really worried. Like, as you said, I'm stressed to the bone. It's already just a release
1: because you ah. put a bit of attention on it. Totally. And I will let you say it out loud. I am really, really scared about this. Oof. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think the, the other thing we said about kind of the vulnerability and kind of being open and how one responds, I think the other thing is, like, you know, bluntly for me, life is split into two people. And it's like when shit happens, you either, you know, respond and rally and come out stronger and better, or you let it hurt you and damage you. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, when I look back at me, like... You know, sometimes people look at me like, "Oh, it all went well." No, it didn't. I remember when I was eighteen, I wanted a job in London at a venture capital firm. Two firms um, rejected me. I got very, very far, like final one, interviews, which is almost the most painful because you really believe it's going to happen, and then they 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 turned me down. And I felt I'd just left university. I had a podcast that made a thousand pounds a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was shit scared um, and nervous. And, you know, that was a real, oh, my God, fuck. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going to go to plan. Um, and so I, I think people just also need to identify those moments when it is a crux and crucible moment. And then you need to rally the troops. Um, and I, I, yeah. I find that a really important one.
0: Yeah. And as you said there, it actually, I don't think you did. You didn't get those jobs, did you?
1: Or no, did you? No, 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 no. I didn't. So, I didn't. I didn't. So, I was, so at
0: the time it seemed like this, oh well, that's that's it. You know, I'm I'm not gonna be able to do the thing that I've I've always wanted to do. But
1: I never I you never had felt got that. that job. I, I, I okay, felt sorry, sorry. I, felt that, yeah. I felt that they were wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt they were wrong, and my, my response was honestly, you know what? You are wrong, you are misguided in your opinion, you don't see the future of this industry converging with media and converging with personality and personal brand mm-hmm. i think you're wrong to the extent that i'm going to work my ass off to be so good that they can't ignore you i think a really helpful thing is remembering that when you get turned down rejected dumped mm-hmm. be so good they can't ignore you yeah. <laughs> i've been, I've and been then- up- Sorry. I was
0: going to say, and then send them this clip after, you know, when you have made <laughs> yeah. it and uh, they, they have clearly made uh, a big mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's that pretty woman moment where she walks back into the shop with the big bags, a big mistake. Um, <laughs> but, but but no, I, I often think to the be so good, they can't ignore you because that's exactly what I said. I said, right, I'm going to make this media company the biggest thing in this business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you haven't always been like this you've not always been um someone i i i don't believe that that wanted to bring vulnerability um into the workplace and wanted to be all about the the mind and and, and mental health so I'm just trying to um uh, even for me because i don't even know this but for for everyone here you know what what changed and and when did it change and why
1: yeah i mean you nina know, listen I, I I had bulimia when I was younger. And that, you know, I think the biggest misconception about eating disorders is that they are temporary or time bounded. You know, bluntly, if you have an eating disorder, you will always have an eating disorder, and that mentality is is challenging always, mm-hmm. every day. Um, and and so you know, I live with that now and today, and so that's tough. And so I'm like cognizant of my own mental like state. Um, and so I think that's number one. And then I think in terms of like the why bringing it out and why being open, I think honestly I. I looked at the relationships that I had and the ones with depth, with love, with intimacy, uh, were ones where I could say the hardest of things. And I looked at it and I thought, well, why can't I say that to more people? And why can't I have more great, trusting, wholesome, uh, deep relationships? Um, And I just think, you know, I, I sound American here, Alexi. I think everyone's actually, like, wonderful um and I, what i find wonderful about them is the stuff that's broken what i find boring and tiresome is the fact that oh i'm killing it are you killing it oh i'm killing it too oh isn't this nice we're both having a fake conversation and i find you fucking boring no you're uh, really man you're struggling because you're drinking too much right now why are you drinking too much i'm i'm honestly doing the starvation thing and throwing up so i'm and i'm feeling great either. really man i've never I've, I've, that, that's tough Oh, wow. We have something now. That is really Mm -hmm. nice. And you know what human happiness is about? It's about fucking connection. Real people going, actually, I feel heard. I feel seen. And I think, you know, shallowness and vacuous kind of nature is in that, you know, very, very crappy, superficial conversation. I think happiness is when you can bring, you know, your real self as close to your external self as possible. You know, when I was at my most unhappy, say, I think it would be when the chasm between my external brand and who I really was was widest. And when I was crushing it here, and then I felt terrible and insecure and awful here, and I just projected a completely different view to the world. Now, I I hope, um, I'm as close as it can come. I'm telling you about it. And we have chats like this. That's where happiness is, I I think. Um, Mm. And I think it's about making sure that that gap is as small as possible.
0: Yeah I definitely want to touch on 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 that and and maybe you know how you become um how you became more yourself um but before we sort and the authenticity behind that and I absolutely agree with you um and I think it's funny because the most spiritual people in the world would say exactly what you've said but you've said it in in your own way about the, it's as soon as there is that gap between who you're pretending to be and who you actually are and mm. so that is just Beautifully put. But to, um, to, to shine a bit of light, I know that the um, uh, bulimia and the eating disorder um, was obviously a big uh, you know, turning point in your life. And um, obviously it was, it was probably very, very scary. And I'll let you speak about it in, in your own way uh, rather than putting words in your mouth. But how can you take us back to, to when you sort of started to first notice these particular things, because I think what people really will be able to, will want to resonate with is, is, you know, those details of like what it was that you were doing at the time that was unhealthy and how it began. And then, you know, sort of how you started to address it.
1: Yeah. I think one of the most brilliant joys of humanity is detachment, which is when you look at someone or you hear me speak now as I'm about to, and you go, Oh, that would never be me. Oh, well that, that's Mm. not me. Oh, I, I'm not like that. Well, actually, most people are in in whatever respect that we're talking about. So like, you know, I was 17 in a, a, a you know boarding house at a boarding school and this beautiful girl walked in and I thought that she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And she would never go out with me because I was about a 16, 17 stone. So 120 kilos ish. I was You remember me, Alexi, I was big. Um, And I thought she's never gonna go out with me. And so the next day I skipped lunch and I went to the gym um, and I went running. And then the next day I went and did the same. Uh, By the way, great habits are formed on the second day. Go once. The minute you go the second day, there's a habit forming. The most important day to do something is the second. But anyway, so went to the gym, skipped lunch, um, and it continued. And I just said, hey, just one more day, just one more day of doing this. Um, and every day I did the same. And I used to massively cut calories and my weight just plummeted. Um, which, you know, was exactly what I wanted. And and you know, then it gets to a stage where you just want more and more gratification faster and faster from seeing the weight loss. And you're going, you know, losing more and more weight. And then naturally you can't always just be eating so little and having so few calories. And so then suddenly I did eat a bowl of pasta and the hatred that I would have for myself and the shame w- was just too much, and so I would, you know, then go and throw it up, you know, whatever in the loo, um, and and then you know the habit builds around that, and then you almost become aware that maybe actually you can do that, maybe you can you can have both lives. I can eat and then just throw it up, and actually, does it matter if you throw it up? Not really. I mean, I ate it in the first place, right? We always have this um, willingness to move the boundaries of acceptability, yeah. You know, what? You went and threw up in a restaurant, Lou, after eating a bowl of pasta? That's terrible. Well, no, not really, because I ate the pasta, and so it's not that better than not eating the pasta. The boundaries always move, and, and so it just kind of got worse and worse um and you know it it was it was really yeah I, I think i always had an awareness that what i was doing was wrong i, I but like everyone else i was always like i'm not bulimic like <laughs> that's ridiculous like that's not me um of course i was of course i am um mm-hmm. and you know it, it got worse and worse you know there were bad bad times that i see again i mm-hmm. i said to you before this i don't shy away from anything there would be times when i'd like make myself throw up so many times that i would like pass out and this was when i was like um, 17 18 um that's pretty shit um and honestly then i i went to my mother and i i, I give my mother credit for this because it's a tough conversation to have and i said listen i, I think i have a problem with, with eating and with you know, throwing up, um, and I think I need to see someone. Now, that is a really... I'm not, like, applauding myself here, but the really hard times with eating disorders is, or with any, with any addiction is when mm-hmm. someone isn't willing to accept it because there's very little that you can do if they don't accept it and they don't seek yep. help. You can't really force someone to get help. You can, but it's just not going to work. And so, in, in this case, I was very aware and relatively you know, lucky I guess in the way that I went to mum, said, Hey, I need help. Mum got a therapist um that specializes in eating disorders. And honestly um it's it's a journey i like therapy is not oh great i think people um you need to find your right therapist is a big yeah. one like you say a therapy is not for me maybe you just have a therapist that wasn't right for you actually that they have different styles different tones mine was fantastic i loved mark i remember going to him and um for the first session i said right like we'll do this like once a month and then we'll do it for a couple of months right and then i'll be cool and he was like <laughs> no we'll do it for twice a week for two years i'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> uh and uh and uh, that that was great it honestly changed everything i think the big moment for me there he said to me harry you went from 120 kilos to 75 so you lost 45 kilos in about six to nine months um if you put on five kilos on a holiday, in a month, for whatever reason, are you really telling me that you couldn't lose five kilos again? I don't I'm, I don't think that's right. So why don't you give yourself a bit of a break and go, huh, I've lost 45. If I were to put five on, which is a lot, I mean, that's a stone. It's quite hard. To, I mean, you've got to change your life for quite mm-hmm. a lot. But then I just, I just go back and do more running or eat less or figure out a way to make that happen. It's like... And that, again, the realization that, oh, it's okay to put on weight because actually I've lost it so much in the past. Fuck, I can lose it again. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I I literally I feel it now. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Um, and that that realization really changed a lot about my mindset. But I you know, every I think there's so many young men, Alexi, in particular, and young women too, but I think young men, I don't know why, and I don't want to get in trouble for this, but I just feel it's it's less talked about in my eyes. Um, particularly young male eating disorders. It's brutal. Um, and I just think more and more people need to talk about it. And that's why like, I talk about it because if someone comes to me or messages me or DMs me or whatever, like, I think we all just need to be there in the way that I said, like everyone's broken and this is just how I'm broken. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, what you said about, you know, men, men opening up in, in general, um, and being able to sort of let go of their their ego a bit and ask for help, and and realize that they might have a problem. Um, it's 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 difficult. It's it's not easy, um, and it, particularly with something like an eating disorder, which has just not it's been very under the radar. I think particularly it was a it was a woman's thing um, for yeah. a long time. You know, it was seen in the movies for, you know, and it was actually uh, fashionable uh, at certain points, probably, or made to look like it was fashionable. So, you know, if 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 you had one particular piece of advice for someone that is potentially listening to this and, and is thinking oh, you know I'm not sure what's going on with my my eating um and, and I'm a little bit concerned about myself what's what was the advice that you'd give to them
1: yeah I, I think it would first be remove detachment remove the that's not me I, I could never be an alcoholic I could never be a bulimic I could never be a whatever an ad, addict that is Everyone can actually be anything, Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. And then I think the other thing is, like, actually, just, like, check yourself at the door. Sit down and be intellectually honest with yourself and go, is what I'm doing actually okay? Like, is that right? Um, And if you're really honest with yourself, you probably know the truth. Um, now the hardest thing is opening up and accepting it and saying it's someone else. I think the other thing is like, be as direct as possible. Alexi, like I have an eating disorder and I need help. Please. Like, I, I think just the minute you do that, you move boundaries in terms of your willingness to engage, um, and make it so that you can't walk away from getting better recovery if you don't tell anyone you can walk yourself back you can enter back into detachment you can enter back into well it's okay when you tell someone it's kind of it's kind of too late yeah you
0: know what i mean it's yeah definitely it's kind of similar i guess if you if you actually pull it across in in sort of in a business term it'd probably be quite similar um in terms of that as if if you don't You know, say it. Some people used to say, you know, if you don't say it sort of out loud and tell people, I am building this particular company and I'm going there, then, you know, you're not actually putting yourself under the certain amount of pressure that you might need at that time to motivate yourself to do it
1: totally it's the same with going to the gym going running uh mm-hmm. you know i i, I told uh, my girlfriend that i was going to run every day before easter um and now she's going to hold me accountable um yeah. and so yeah. it makes a big difference um, Yeah, the fear of being told that you were uh, you, you you lied or, or
0: that you um you know you haven't been able to fulfill what you said it's it, it's a good motivator
1: i guess but i th- i think you know the, the other really important thing is like you know often i think these uh, kind of suppose insecurities, flaws, whatever one wants to call mm-hmm. them, and it stemmed from like a feeling of not feeling good enough often. Um, yeah. And I think the most important thing I learned, you know, going back to those two jobs, you know, no one can tell you that you're not good enough. Um, they will try always, um, but no one can tell you you're not good enough. Only you can do that. Mm-hmm. Only you can tell yourself that you can't achieve it, that you can't hit that milestone. And even then, I think you're wrong. I think we're so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Um and I I just think it's really important for everyone to remember that bluntly it lies with you and you can do so much more than you think. And I always just think back to that especially when I think to the jobs, when I think to the addictions I think it's really important to remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess, is there anything else that you, you want to particularly shine a light on um, in terms of eating disorders, um, particularly like other, other things that, that people can do, you know, maybe other than therapy, um, but is there anything else that you, you've been doing that's maybe hope, uh, helped with particularly like coping with it? Because it's something that you, you seem to say that you're going to, it's something that you live with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something you live with. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm very honest. I haven't thrown up um, in... Yeah, five years. Um, and I, I feel very good about where I am now. Does that mean that I don't still you know, have body shame and hate a lot of the way I feel, the way clothes sit on me? I hate going mm-hmm. clothes shopping, Alexi, because I'm very <laughs> insecure about, not because I hate clothes shopping. It's just because I'm insecure about clothes sitting on my body. What if they're like new clothes that are tight in areas where I feel super insecure? It just feels awful. And so I hate that. And, you know, feeling full is still horrible. And so, like, honestly, I think it's just a case of, like, acceptance that, like, one, it's ongoing, and it's just a case of being open and managing that. And as I said, it's never ended. It's never done. You know, I think one of the most important things to remember in life is, and everyone thinks of it the wrong way, you've never won or lost in life. You're only ever ahead or behind. And I think it's the same in addiction and in eating disorders. You've never won or lost. It's yours to manage. Um... And I think that's important too. And then honestly, I think like truly just having deep, deep relationships and how do you do that by being so open and so honest yeah, that, and I think honestly, that's it.
0: I love it. Love it. And you've, you've mentioned, you know, insecurity and it, it sounds like it's, it's, it's linked in, in, in certain ways, but what, Particularly, you know, you struggle with um, maybe other than your body image in terms of insecurities. And how have you managed to cope or reduce these?
1: None. I'm perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, man, I've got many insecurities. I think I think one is uh, well, a lot in the early days was age. And, you know, if you ask me what my biggest fear is, my biggest fear, really opening up here, my friend, my biggest fear is um, being Macaulay Culkin. Um, I don't know if you know Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. I do, you know, I do. Yeah. Oh, everyone loved Macaulay Culkin. Where is he now? What does what he do mm. now? Mm. Ah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm fortunate. I've I've done well very young, um, but I need to keep working and I need to keep doing better and better and better because I'm not going to be fucking Macaulay Culkin. Um, But that insecurity drives me insanely. You know, I love a saying that someone told me the other day, which is chips on shoulders, put chips in pockets. Um, And I think to that a lot. And that's a chip on my shoulder, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Other insecurities, as I said, there's so many. I think, you know, uh, I've been doing this for seven years, actually, venture now, so I'm not, like, uh, new to it. But... There are people who've been doing it for much, much longer, who've seen downturns, who've seen booms like never before, seen multiple of them. And they have wisdom that I don't have because I haven't been there at that time. I think that's an insecurity for me. And one of the biggest mistakes I think people often tell themselves to make them feel calmer, which is complete crap. Don't worry, Alexi, don't worry. No one really knows what they're doing. Yes, they do. Some people really do know what they're doing and actually learn from them. That is an opportunity. Every time on the show, I say to people who've had amazing experiences or learnings from crashes, what did what did you learn? How did you change your perspective? How did it impact your behavior? Because I want to learn. But don't ever let yourself feel comfortable that no one knows what they're doing because they do. Um, and then other insecurities... <sighs> I think, I think those are the most dominant ones, honestly. The food, the food is a big one. And, that you know, honestly, I, I, again, I'm, I'm always very open. I, I love uh, Paola, um my girlfriend, but I used to be a fucking machine, man. I used to work, like, constantly. And now, you know, yeah, I, I do. I go for dinner with Paula, And so I'm not working 18-hour days every day. Mm-hmm. Does that make me worse? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, um, but maybe, I'm not sure. Um, so it's a really interesting one. And that, so I'd say that's another insecurity, um, just like managing that. And then like, I never feel good enough, man. Like there, nothing's ever good enough. Yeah, if you, if you we, back when we were kids, if you told me I'd be where I am now and doing what I'm doing, I wouldn't have believed you'd not be super happy, but it's never enough. And that's why, like, tying happiness to milestones is just the ultimate recipe for unhappiness. Um, and it's, the, it's you know, the miserable treadmill that continues to go, um, which is why I try and be more joyful in the moment now. You know, I love sushi. When I go for a great sushi dinner with Paola, I'm like, yes. Like we said, you know, I'm worried, I'm stressful. I will be like, Alexi, I'm really happy now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes and i think that's that's also important too um but yeah that, that that's how i think about it yeah you definitely you know
0: i i've noticed a huge huge shift over over the years but you know even just seeing you on on, on this podcast and like just the way that you you are in terms of the energy that you're bringing, um, you know, to something, and 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 the joy that you'll bring to each situation, um, and actually really like feel it and live it, as you said, because you know the next minute you might be in your head thinking about you know your body shape or whatever. So you know what? When you feel good and you're eating that sushi and and, and whatnot, like enjoy it, really enjoy it. How how do you actually enjoy? Because joy for a lot of people particularly founders and people who are high you know performers how do you actually create more joy out of the situations because the situations usually don't change or need to change right but how do you do that because one example i'll put is i used to not celebrate um scoring a goal in football because i thought you know what it's expected and if i get it it's like right back to work like back to the next thing straight on the line, like. When I realized that I just didn't have or wasn't enjoying that particular elation moment or that celebration, I was like, I'm going to just celebrate hard every time. Even if I do a big challenge on someone, I'm going to celebrate the hell out of it. And it's amazing because that then tickled into or trickled into all different other aspects of my life. And it's just one small example, but I'd love to hear how you do it.
1: Matt, I think it's about reducing the barriers to joy. And what I mean by that is I think the most sinful thing about adulthood is the loss of childish joy. When you give a child Mm -hmm. a bowl of ice cream, they go nuts when they see something great. They love it. Wow, that's fantastic. Why, why am I not so happy when the sashimi that I love comes or when I have my favourite sandwich that I haven't had from that amazing cafe that I'm not near anymore because we changed office? Why am I not super... Never lose the childish joy. I'm going on a holiday with Power on Friday. I'm childish joy happy. Uh, you know when you get your suitcase ready the night before and you're like, ooh, family holiday? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Bring childish joy to everything. And sometimes you have to manufacture moments of joy. It's a little bit like making teams Mm. work efficiently. In the early days, you have to manufacture because it's not natural. And you have to accept that it's not natural. You know, what do I do with new team members? I manufacture success for them in the early days. I make them succeed at something very easy or obvious. But actually, when you get that, you get the confidence, you get the velocity, and that really starts to flywheel. And it's the same, I think, with Joy, which is like, yeah, you like ice cream, but as you go, yes, I'm really excited for this fish food. Yes, baby. Fantastic. And it just becomes more and more natural. And mm-hmm. And I think that's how I think about doing it and just being deliberate about it in the early stages. I love it.
0: So I think we're 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 nearly there at the end. Uh, you're a busy man. I've done very well to get you for an hour and and I've extended it for a few minutes. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. We haven't talked about much of uh you know the business side of things and investing and and all of that which uh you know is is I think people can listen on your podcast if they want to hear more about that. But we're going to do a I'm going to call it the one sentence round uh because when you say quick fire people just sort of carry on Um, and if you say one word it's it's a little bit too much so we're going to try this and ask a few questions what is your favorite company in the world right now and why
1: Oh, that is a great great question. I think it's probably a, a company that I invested in called Airlift in Pakistan. Um, why is it one of my favorite companies It's touching you know millions of people with an incredible consumer offering that delivers groceries, household goods, electricals in minutes in bluntly areas and locations that are you know very much um lacking in great supply and i think it's improving the lives of millions of people in pakistan in south africa and in a number of other countries where they're expanding to that's cool Mm. what do you want
0: to hear from uh, what
1: do you want to hear in a one minute pitch uh here are the three reasons why i wouldn't invest in my company this is what i've done to analyze those reasons this is my plan to mitigate them becoming a problem this is how I've thought it through. Love it.
0: Which company uh, that most don't know about is going to change the world like an
1: Apple, an Amazon, a Google? Oof. Oof. Ah, that's a very tough one. Do you want any any space, any sector? I Where, mean, wherever, wherever. I mean, I, I think one that just still people don't fully embrace, which is Coinbase and OpenSea which is bluntly the consumerization they've brought to crypto so far actually has still been very, very small. When you look at adoption of crypto assets, Mm -hmm. it's still minority, minority of the general public. When you look forward 10 years, these centralized exchanges will be the dominant exchanges. And if we have 50% adoption, wow. Coinbase and OpenSea being 45 times bigger than they are today, Ooh, that's a big, big company. Uh, and so I think, I think those two would very much come to mind. I like it. That was a long old sentence. You obviously skipped English class, but we'll, uh, we'll,
0: we'll let you off for, for that particular one. Um, how do you
1: cut through the bullshit of a pitch? Uh, I mostly say, um, what are you struggling with today, right now?
0: Nice, love it. Who has been your favorite ever podcast guest and why?
1: Doug Leone at Sequoia. He, uh, he runs Sequoia today, um, which is the best firm in the world. Um, I probably get in trouble for saying that, but they are, um, uh, he is one of the greatest leaders thinkers in venture. Uh, so him without a doubt. Number one piece of advice for starting a podcast uh so many one just start um most people don't actually make it off the blocks two mm. set a cadence that you can keep up with too many people say i'm gonna do two a week and then actually they miss one and then they stop all together the there yeah. you go say i'm, I'm gonna do I'm, one I'm a and just stick to it be yeah. very oh, this one i could go for fucking hours be super mm. specific on the content type go mm-hmm. deep not wide talk about eating disorders and bulimia in particular, or, you know, SaaS investing in technology at the early stage, get a hundred true fans with very specific content. Don't go broad. Love it. Um, and what's the next po- Podcast
0: like platform to take off. You you you. Your timing was 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 pretty unbelievable with with podcasting. I think um, you might say. Uh, but what's the next you know podcast like platform? Whether it's the Instagram or it's the whatever. Where the hell are we? People going to put their attention?
1: I I think it's the next decade belongs to TikTok. Honestly, um, I think it's fascinating for me when I you know go on tubes now. Pre and post COVID. Pre COVID, it was all Candy Crush. Now. Everyone is on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I think video uh, is obviously the next dominant platform for the next 10 years. Um, and so I think, I think TikTok will retain that title they've had for the last years. And I think they're just going to compound and get stronger and stronger. Love it. Uh, a few more, not, not many left, but these
0: are so good uh, and I'm enjoying them so much. Your greatest low?
1: Ooh, Um. I think I think it was probably when I was 17. I did badly in exams at school. And I, I was not a super smart kid, but I was a smart kid. Um, and for the first time ever, I really failed. Um, and that was a real crucible moment for me of, am I going to let four letters and grades determine my life, or am I going to be better? Um, but I really felt like I really failed then.
0: If you can live anywhere in the world, and clearly you can, why do you still live in London?
1: Uh, I love uh, more specifically than London. I love Fulham. Fulham, um, yes. I love being by. The, I love being by the river. I wasn't
0: sure if I, I was allowed to let people know where exactly you live. They'll be. They'll be uh, hunting yeah, you
1: around. Don't worry, <laughs> they already do. Um, I love the. I love the rain. I love the cold. I don't really like heat. Um, oh, I, love I, I. 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 I, lo- I. love. I've got a gym in the building of my apartment. Um, I don't really need to go anywhere. I can just work, gym, and sleep and that's fantastic so that's why and i love my mum and she lives nearby
0: <laughs> i i i i if if you weren't going to say that i was going to give you a little kick under the table not that we're in the same room because uh, she'd be very upset uh, otherwise um okay three more questions to finish what are you most grateful for in life
1: um i think i'm most grateful that's a very good one I, I Oh, fuck. There's a lot. Uh, I think I'm most grateful for two things. One, my family. Um, mm. And two, I, my mum and brother, fucking phenomenal. Um, mm. And then two is my drive. If there's one thing that I have that's just, I think, in spades and I think world-class without being arrogant, I'm so fucking driven. Um, and I think I'm really grateful for that.
0: You've kind of said this because you you, you have to keep saying it over and over again, but what's next for Harry Stebbings?
1: We're building, you know, what I hope to be the next great financial institution in venture capital, leveraging media. And I want to build one of the biggest financial brands that touches the lives of millions of millions of people, also has a consumer brand, resonates with the next generation of consumer, as well as founder, as well as institutional investor. And I want to build a platform and a financial product that you know, bluntly invest in the, the world's greatest and most ambitious founders and be part of some amazing amazing journeys to build the next generation of companies
0: and where can people follow uh, or learn more about you
1: uh, twitter my twitter is the place to go for me i i love okay. twitter i'm at harry stabbings um or 20vc.com but twitter is like where i you know uh dump my brain thoughts and uh, i love it so twitter for sure
0: yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that you've, uh, you've started putting out a lot more, uh, content uh, as an individual and I'm, I'm absolutely loving it, you know, just to see, you know, you've got so much insight. Clearly, um, you've, you've, you've got, um, you know, amazing sense of humor as well. Um, and, and all these things that have really like come out of, of this particular podcast and, you know, just wanted to say, I'm um, super grateful for, for having you on and, it's, it's an interesting one because if i had had you on when I first asked, I don't think we would have had this much of a powerful conversation. So again, it's, it's, it's to go back to this point that you said about, you know, a lot of these things that might be a disappointment at a time could be, you know, one of the best things that ever happens to you. And so, yeah. you know, for people out there going through some of their worst times or feeling like they're having their biggest failure, maybe it will end up being your greatest success. Yeah, so, I agree. you know, just just wanted to say thanks again harry and it's been an absolute pleasure i know this like i'm i need to uh buy a bank in order to uh to make up for this amount of time that i've had with you but i'm super grateful and you know i hope we can uh, have another conversation at some point in the future
1: man so good to chat i've loved doing this and thank you so much for having me man awesome all the best speak soon